Welcome to Isidka. My name is Amina Isid, and join me as I take you on a journey to explore identity, culture, and belonging. Take a seat as I take you through time, space, and various perspectives of cultural identity. Stay tuned to see where the journey will take us today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Isidka. So I'm so excited to do this episode. This I am back um, and I've been waiting really a long time to do this episode and this week's will be about Ismail Abdullahi Uwah Ismail Uwah and when I was doing when I was first writing about Raqqa I think in the Khadr Kayo episode I mentioned that Khadr Kayo was one of the main motivators for Raqqa but the other one was Ismail uh, Uwah and that was like a couple years ago right in the midst of when I think Atka'ubah was just starting out, it was like a couple months old. Atka'ubah, um, this is his podcast. And then at the same time, he was also doing this campaign, Qayla Dan Dumar. And basically, women were sending him their stories of being harassed um, at work. And then he was publishing them online. And then there was one particular story that... Um, a woman was talking about she was working in a particular ministry in Somaliland and then um, you know she was facing harassment and then I don't even think he stated names really but just the fact that the name of the ministry was in there then that was enough for there to be a hit out for him like to arrest him so go on with the Kachugan so um, I thought that that was like a that just kind of goes to show in so many different ways how much of our society is really kind of hell-bent on just like continuing the same amount of norms regardless if they're good or bad and if somebody comes in that's kind of really opposing that power or that norm of what exists they are then the ones who are facing the penalty because it's not like he was going out and saying it he was just relating somebody's story using his platform but the fact that he had enough of a platform for people to um hear about it and talk about it and you know the Somali world is so small that was enough for a warrant to be out for his arrest in Somaliland like literally like where do you even begin um to kind of dissect that but I think that that small example if you only know him for the podcast um then that is you know a part of his activism and a part of the work that he does it's really speaking truth to power in a way that a lot of Somalis don't um, but in a way that's also just kind of like right is right, wrong is wrong, and just gonna say it, right? Um, and that that unapologeticness to still be somebody that is so um, connected or so much of an insider within the Somali community to operate like that, I was space of very much. I'm still gonna continue to be an insider. And I think it's so interesting, and I'm always like, oh my god. Like, and I always tell him this, and he knows this, but I think that that's kind of, you know, change will only come about from the inside. Um, it's also a unique, it's a unique measure when a lot of social activists that are really, like, staunch activists on certain causes really come in, like, with kind of Western ideologies and Western ways of relaying that information and, like, a sense of arrogance, like, you guys are so wrong for doing things this way and how dare you whereas his approach is very much like 
just speaking truth to power. I mean, it's not in a way that's tokenizing or otherizing or diminishing anything. It's just a way of relaying and giving people opportunity from the inside to say, um, this is what's happening and this is what's wrong. And I think, and that's one one thing I always tell him too, um, but I think what's so interesting about him is he's lived in a whole bunch of different countries and you can see how living amongst those different spaces have socialized them and kind of added to the repertoire of who he is, right? But he still is very much grounded and rooted in being Somali, but also being um, a Somali like, um, he's also very much rooted within the Somali context. So Smail, first, the first time I heard of him was, um, first of all, all I heard was, and I was like, what is this man that everyone keeps talking about whose name is and or like, and he wrote romantic novels. So he was an author at first, um, and he was writing stories about love in the Somali language. And... When we would have like those um, Somali literature nights, most of the crowd are like 40, 50 plus, you know, and like him, a couple of his homeboys are the only ones under the age of 40 that are writing books in Somali. And I was just like, what is happening here? Um, And so like those two things together, I was like, and he was like, why do you, why are you saying that? And I'm like, because like a lot of everyone else who was there was a lot older that chose to still speak Somali, right? Because that's the first language that they knew, probably the strongest language that they knew. But he was somebody who spoke a couple other languages pretty well, like, and, and could express himself in those languages. So the fact that he still continued to choose to speak in Somali, that he still continues, like, to do a lot of work around the Somali language. Um, he's like a little old man at heart, I guess. But um, it, it very much is a way that's also kind of making culture language appealing in a way that like if a lot of the older people are writing books in Somali obviously that might not be something that we could relate with right like as Daliaro it might just be about 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 whatever but like his last book I was reading it just to like look at it right and the week at one part the weekend was in there and then there was a young girl and she was at savannah in west london i was like oh, i love savannah and so it's the i think that that's the representation aspect that i always keep talking about that's really important is to say okay you can still um there's something that we can relate to as youngsters especially youngsters growing up in the diaspora but there's still a space to have access to language and culture and storytelling and i think a lot of everything smile does is rooted within storytelling and that makes it so that you everybody will want to listen right like it's not going back to the whole activism bit if somebody's just yelling saying you should do things this way you should do things that way and how dare you like that's not giving space for people to want to engage with you. That's very much already setting up a boundary. And I think what Smile does very well is create a space for people to engage um, with him, with his work, and um, whatever whatever work he's kind of putting out there. Half the time on Facebook, he's like just putting funny stuff. But that's still, you know, people are going to respond to that always, right? So then when he puts something serious or something that's kind of leading towards something, the people will always watch that because they already have their eyes on everything that he's posting and everything that he's doing. So when um, the author, like the old school romantic at heart, um, he's also kind of grown and developed a lot from 
the post that he used to put on Instagram. And, um, but I think that that's also something uh, that I want to quickly touch on, like the focus on romance. Um, and I talked, like, I talked to him a lot about, like, why are you like this? Like, I think from the day I met him till now, I'm always just kind of like, this is such an anomaly of so of things to put together. Um, the way in which he even chooses to, like, present himself and carry himself. When you meet him, he's very, like, he's very warm, he's very friendly. Like, you know, like, like, and then he's... But it's kind of like there's this innate softness, like, that's not, like... Um, Innate softness is just a parent that comes out and like it's just like a kind person type of thing. The focus on romance, I think, is also just kind of like I literally could have wrapped my head around it because I'm like, okay, first of all, we're Somalis, like Katagintas and like it's just you know our people are nomads and like we're known for being these like really like other tough people. So what is this focus? I was like, I I literally like I was like I can't put two and two together like I can accept like westerners um but I was like I don't understand the focus on romance in a Somali context so even on that basic level on that specific example is also kind of adding in another level of like and the hadith and I guess taking away the hishad right like I think there's a lot of like when you ask like your parents generation and stuff about um how they even got married a lot of them was just like well we just got married like there's no talk <laughs> about like if they courted each other anything um and there's so much of like well so i think that psyche i guess is um that adding that psyche is something different so i asked them a couple of questions particularly right about like how he understands womanhood how i mean how he understands somali malehood like what is Raganimo like associated with? He said that he would help to change the attitude of seeing Raganimo as the ultimate goal and Dumarinimo as weakness. And a lot of kind of like how he felt about Raganimo is basically like not exactly like the superior ultimate thing that I think a lot of our culture really kind of is focusing um, a lot of attention on. Like, if men are to be strong and women are to be weak, like, it's kind of like men are also allowed to have feelings type of thing. And um, he also said that a, a common thing that he would like to change um, is the fact that b showing emotions means that you're weak. He said, in his own words, that being strong means being able to show your emotion. And I think when you kind of look at a lot of what the work that he does so even um the initial focus on romance but even now his current series about Waylega, they were like they got married on me also that like disappointment like which is a very natural thing like the, obviously this happens a lot there's so many stories that are coming out um about that giving a space to that i think also a lot of people it's it's really nice to even just see, like, even the fact that, okay, maybe, like, they didn't um, come to, like, like, it didn't work out that the, this couple would get married. But there still is, like, a sweetness of the story, right? And, like, that old love that's in there that I think is, is still really nice to listen to. Um, and also, with putting that out into the mainstream is kind of, oh acknowledging that it is a normal part of life and it happens right like and so the shame and or whatever like hiding it trying to be, act like it didn't bother you um 
It doesn't necessarily need to be something that we kind of continue or hold on to. And um, so all of that um, storytelling then has kind of like evolved into the podcast. So if you guys all listen to I hope you recognize my voice. Uh, <laughs> but when he started I was like, this is such like, for me, as somebody who was raised in the diaspora, uh, a lot of the so- information about like the Somali culture, context, stories, histories, I feel like is so inaccessible unless like either like that or like you really seek that out and basically spend a lot of time with old people or your family or stuff like that. So I think is a great platform and a great way to also relay stories and experiences of um people that might not be able to share it on the mainstream right like so when you listen to songs and you're like oh i wonder what it is and then um also even just speak to the creatives that are behind writing these songs um how they perceive the world and how that affects the songs that they um write and the way in which they write the songs. so i think a couple of my favorite episodes on personally um was definitely like the ones with like sadiq burmad and abdullah hassan like kind of listening to and halif hayr that was a crazy story uh but just listening to the background um of of these people of these men who are writing a lot of stories and i think also even allowing them to present themselves in various ways um and giving them a platform to express themselves is also interesting because then that allows a connection right like between um them and their listeners and the audience in a way that's not just like oh you need you you know this person um because they are this and this and um and then you just like give them respect, you know, like off top. But it's not like, you know, you would ever spend time to like really get to know them and to like speak to them and things like that. Um, and so I asked him, what did Utqa'ubah allow you that writing didn't? And then um, he said, Utqa'ubah exposed me to a completely new audience. To be honest, sometimes I have a love-hate relationship with it. Um because you know he loves writing and that was his passion that's what he really has spent a lot of time doing and now a lot of people know him for the podcast um and his writings and his books are kind of forgotten but he also says that you know it's another tool to disseminate his message and he's very thankful for it and in the future we will also see be bigger and better it's already kind of grown into a visual um podcast right now and then he's kind of looking into films and directing and producing and so we'll probably see some films inshallah um by him in the future but i think all that's a natural progression rooted within storytelling um there was one episode that he did about abdi tahlil right after he passed away and that also allows you to see his storytelling um and the way in which like as a writer he's like crafting his argument kind of putting things together um and descriptively kind of relaying you know what the background is like i think they were in mukdisha 1977 that was a beautiful episode i really loved that one i really loved how he put it together and another one of his earlier episodes you can also see where he used those elements of his storytelling in the way that he would as a writer in that episode Arur um he was kind of building off this mahma or the ways in which like somalis perceived women and and uh, gender norms but then also within that 
he used like descriptive elements of storytelling so instead of just like describing it well he did describe it himself but then he added in those audio sounds and it was such a cool way of like mixing the two um the descriptive written storytelling as well as as well as the audio um storytelling they're like birds in the background and it was like and then it's like he woke up in the morning you could hear the birds and the sun was shining in his face so that was a very nice episode so i think with like the intro is um a place to discuss art storytelling um and a platform to discuss ideas that affect our society the most the most the most and i think in this time and age when a lot of um the media platforms in a somali context are all really kind of hyper-focused on like politics and disasters and things like that. really kind of gives us space for arts and culture to be celebrated on a regular basis. Um, for us to also see what the youth like back home in the diaspora are doing. Um, and it's a good connector to also, it's a good connector, period. It's like a good connector to language. It's a good connector to like cultural production. It's a good connector to what's going on back home. Um, and it's a really kind of innovative space where it doesn't really belong to only like one subset of people or one specific topic, but within the cultural production and the language production, I think, um, going back to what I was saying earlier about gah, um, there's something about also kind of that language doesn't have to just stick to, um, kind of like antiquated cultural norms that language is something that's vibrant that's still continuing to grow and flourish and so keeping that a part of your daily life and in your psyche and you know for a lot of people in diaspora they might be listening to and that might be a way that they're still listening to somalia on a regular basis um outside of like speaking to their family members or, um i just think basically it's kind of like a cool way to still connect with culture and language and storytelling and kind of what's happening um currently in terms of cultural production and so um that's an important space and we'll continue to kind of see what happens with that space but also what smile kind of continues to do no pressure um but our eyes are we're all watching so in the beginning when i said that um i used to think his name was Ubahle, and then even they used to refer to him a lot as Ubah. and so i realized okay his name's not Ubahle. his name's Ubah. And also, why is this man going by Ubah? Like, but I think it's like, it didn't make sense. But then after I met him, I was like, okay, um, I can see it. You know, like, I think it's, I think it makes sense. Like, it suits him, right? Um, it it works for him in a way that I don't think that's demasculating. I, I think it works for him. It just goes to show that something like, the way Somalis talk about flowers, especially as like being like the epitome of like, love all those things it suits the type of like artist and like that he's like reflecting himself as that he would be a flower a flower in the sense of growing or like literally figuratively flowers growing in like the most like other type of environment like where you know there's always like droughts and it doesn't rain too much in the north and um it's not like we do have flowers in the north but we don't have flowers everywhere you know so it's very like unique and it kind of fought to exist and then it's very much celebrated, adored, and um, and it's something that's been soft despite its environment. So um, when I asked him what would he like to be remembered for, he said the best thing to be remembered for is kindness. And I hope that when people think of me um, when I'm no longer here, that they remember me and smile.
And so um, this episode of Rakat Tambe was about Smail Abdullahi Ubah. He's a writer, he's a podcaster, he's a content creator, he's overall a storyteller and an activist that's really rooted in kind of ensuring that we appreciate all aspects of our full human experience. He's a strong like celebrator of Somali language and literature. You all probably came here because you know him, but I think it'll be great to see kind of what he ends up being in the future um, and how he continues to grow. So I'd say Smail Harosa'a, keep going. And I mean, if you made it this far in the episode, I just want to say that one of the reasons this podcast exists um, is because he kept telling me to do this, him and Zahoor. So thank you guys. I appreciate y'all. With that, I would also say um, that, you know, a part of this Rangat Dimba series is to highlight like Somali male artists, but also, you know, through his artistry and his personal example, um, he's also been somebody that has added on to the possibility of what is, what could be. But ultimately, um, the focus on Rangat Dimba was to also highlight the ways in which uh, if Somali men are traditionally the gatekeepers of Somali society, then how are these male artists adding a positive spin to um, Somali society and what are the ways in which they're interrogating it and adding something new so I hope you all have enjoyed this episode um, if you have not checked out Ubah, listen to Ubah, check out his writings and um, you know stay tuned for next episode Kukala nakroh